let's just start out with uh, a thanks to uh, Trekkel. Yeah. Or Trekkel. Trekkel. Tell them about your brushes, your fancy brushes. What? No, like what is the actual old school? There's only one K, right? There's only one K, but there's two L's. T-R-E-K-E-L-L, one K and two L's. One K, double L. Order my, my brush set. I think it's fabulous. Order the Tony Cerni limited edition brush set from Trekkel using code SD20 for a 10% discount. Once again, use promo code SD20 at checkout for a 10% discount on the Tony Cerny Limited Edition brush set is only available for a limited time and can be canceled. We are not responsible for any accidents incurred while using the Tony Cerny Limited Edition brush set. This podcast copyright 2020 suggests donations all rights reserved. Order my, my brush set. 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 I think it's fabulous. Order my, my brush set. 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 If you want to be, if you want to be an old master, or just paint like one, pick up Tony's Tony's set. So yeah, let's start, dude. Um, oh my god! All right. Start. So, uh, well, first of all, we're still all in quarantine, still isolated in our studios. We're doing a little bit of work, probably not a lot. Tony's doing. I'm doing a work. lot of work, but not the work that I'm used to doing. <laughs> right. You're doing like style. <laughs> Yeah, I'm figuring out, you know, and and the reason I'm, I'm saying that is because I I'm so concerned about you know our industry and Jay's industry and everything and all these like little micro industries that pay, uh, that really focus on quality and excellence and expertise is that is there going to be a, is there going to be an ability to be able to take the time to put so much effort and you know time into making something so great. You know, and, and like and, all, and, the and is there going to be an audience for out of it? Yeah. Well, yeah. that's. I do I mean, think. Sure. I do think this. I do think there will be to almost just, you know, contradict what I just said. I think there'll be a huge creative boom outside of this. I do think that might happen. Um, I'm curious to know and see what kind of creativity, what kind of. Um, I don't know, uh, uh, reaction from the artistic community, and that's music, painting, everything, literature. Again, I, I think there might be some possible really great creative um, inspiration that comes out of this like mayhem that's, that we're all going through. Yeah, I just hope that we don't wind up losing this kind of this yeah. whole ecosystem that exists because I think it's, uh, you know, the ripple effects would go you know a lot wider than like losing some fancy restaurants i think it'll yeah you know so how to so heal i don't know it. i i, I how don't to know heal. yeah but okay. i i just um so with this episode ted we uh, oh, do you well, want to so intro the starters, episode we should say um this is Teresa oaxaca who is uh if you don't know you got to look up her work it's it's uh uh got her own voice and it is like thoroughly her like it's she inhabits it fully she is the person yeah. who she paints and and i think um so it was exciting to to get to sit down with her and and uh hear a little bit about you know where her perspective like where it's coming from because i i think it's it's just it's so 
it's so unique and she's got such a unique voice. And so it was, um, it was great to sit down with her and we did it at the, uh, face conference. Uh, so we were down, um, uh, at, at face where we also recorded, um, with Daniel green and, uh, and we're able to, you know, between her demos and, and teaching and all the stuff that we were doing, we were able to kind of, uh, schedule in some time to, to sit down with her. Uh, and so, uh, you know, and this obviously was recorded long before, uh, we knew anything about like, you know, N95 masks and stuff like that. So, uh, it's not at all relevant to, uh, what's going on, but, uh, hopefully again, kind of a, a welcome distraction for, for anybody, uh, who, who needs it. Yeah. Like you were saying, I, I, I've known Teresa's work for a long time and I've chatted with her a, a bit, but to sit down and actually really kind of get into it, um, really was really fun because, you know, she's, she's such a unique, um, person in our little community that, yeah. um, and I dig her work a lot. So, um, I remember it being a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. She's really cool. So, yeah. Thanks Teresa for, uh, for taking the time to hang yeah. out. Yeah. And thank you face and thank you treckle and thank you Jay Braun, 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 Braun. And thank you all for listening. And, uh, and thank you, Tony. To thank you, Tony. You yeah, know what, good. Ted? Thank you. adjustments being made where were you coming from were you downstairs yeah i was just really briefly at the eric rhodes business uh talk lecture because oh, like, yeah. i went into the casey ball one first but he was using this damar terp medium Ooh. and and i it's really super strong noxious. toxic yeah and, and it was a closed room so i was like ooh. Uh, and were I just, people like passing out? no i mean i mean i used to use that for years <laughs> But I, I quit it because it wasn't it's not healthy for you. Basically. It's a Demar Terp Venetian Terp um, like cobalt dryer medium. Or no, just... I think it's just like real triple rectified turpentine Demar varnish and then um, some some stand oil. I think. Wow. Yeah. That's. So I'm not. Yeah. I, I I had a whole like that's five years stinky. of that in Florence. Yeah. I don't know, and so I'm like, I'm not going back. <laughs> you went to Florence? I didn't know that. Why didn't I know that? You studied at Florence Academy. Uh yeah, Florence Academy and Angel Academy. You did both. Yeah. Did you do the full programs of both, like the full duration, or uh, I, just? I did the full Angel Academy. Okay. Three and a half was years. Was that first, and then? It was you first. Did, okay. I, I I tried. I wanted to go to all three schools. There's the Florence Academy, and the Cecil, and I yeah. wasn't like sure which one. And um, did I you just, ever make it to Cecil? For just for some lectures. Oh, his lectures. Are Apparently, fantastic. Ted. I've never seen him, but Ted was telling me his lectures are pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he he. Uh, they haven't changed too much though. Yeah. So yeah. so he, one of his students was giving it when I was just there this summer. Oh, okay. Uh, so it was great. It, it was, uh, <laughs> so were you were you at you were at the Angel first and then Florence? Yeah, I, I finished the Angel and then I wanted to paint 
with natural light and learn to mix colors, not just like the drawing style. They had a plain old kind of yeah uh, drawing style where the angel relied on this thing called big form modeling. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I wanted to learn that plain old kind of structural way because I was yeah. interested in like the Russian style drawing and all those like like the Bamas uh, books. Like you that know? structural anatomy. Yeah. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. yeah. And angel didn't have that. Um, they had other good things though, like yeah, like rendering and. Yeah, color yeah. Mm-hmm. and you know was there var- simi- glazing <laughs> was there similarities a lot too yeah and in, 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 i was able to just jump into the the third level in florence oh so you went there and you were just like you're in third straight to in, still life and, yeah. and figure and things you know i didn't i never did the, i know you went to 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 florence, florence academy and i never went and i you know i know i have so many friends mm-hmm. from there and who are teachers and and everything and, and it's I still just don't know much about the way they structure their whole program because I, I love Daniel Graves and I love you know everybody at who came out of that as far as like friends and and I have a deep respect for them mm. but I've never I don't know much about the program when you went into it uh, over there did was it um did you know what you like did you go to art school before that did you have any experience in like oh i'm going to art college before angel you mean before angel yeah before italy not not much i i went from high school oh wow so, oh, so you, went you just decided yeah I, I graduated early from high school because i you knew what you wanted yeah when i was 15 as i realized like you know um, michelangelo and all were already really good by the time they were like nine <laughs> and so he's like i'm getting a little old here like i need to go get the fundamentals yeah so i was like i need to go get some I, I had taken a few classes like we had uh we have uh, still uh, robert Liberace teaching in oh, he's alexandria awesome. so you grew up in alexandria but i could never take many classes because i was on weekdays so Sometimes I'd miss school to take a workshop, or uh, I would do the summer classes. And yeah. your parents were cool with that. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Actually, I took sometimes I would take the bus up to our students league and take uh, sculpture workshops. In when you were fifteen, yeah. Wow. I, I used to do sculpture, so I used to take. How classes. come sculpture? Were you just uh, like loved Michelangelo? Or? Yeah, I think I was. I was first drawn to sculpture. Yeah, and. Um, I, I used to do uh, figure sculpture and portrait sculpture when I was like nine in, wow. in the Alexandra Art League. Classes. I had a, well, when I was about 13, uh, I tried to go to the Art Students League for the summer uh, and I wanted to paint and they wouldn't let me be in front of the model. When I was 13, I also probably looked like most people looked when they were nine. <laughs> but um, They were covering those like sensitive eyes of yours? Yeah, yeah. they were. and. So I wound up in the basement for the summer, just hacking away at a piece of limestone Ooh, and cool. like carving in stone. It was really, I mean, it was amazing. I think I was a little bit too scrawny to like wield a big hammer. <laughs> it was tough. I mean, you but it, you know, you go through the chisels like these metal chisels. You just keep hammering away at the ends of them, and they kind of mushroom out, and then you have to like uh clean clean off the like the excess metal, and the the thing is shrinking, and wow. you got to get a new one and. I mean, I, I went through a bunch of chisels, you know, just hacking away at limestone. I did some alabaster. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, that was my early experience was like stone carving only because they wouldn't let me in front of a nude model. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. So how did you know? Welcome to, to Suggested Donation. Oh, by the way, oh. We're, we already started recording. I'm <laughs> Edward Renoff. Yeah, I'm Tony Serenai. And we're here with Teresa Oaxaca. We've been talking about talking yeah. for a really long time. So thank you for uh, for joining us. Yeah. yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited Happy to talk here. to you about. I've, I've, I've admired your work for, for years now. Oh, and wow. and your you. ability to produce. Yeah. It's like you're just kind of a machine. You're able to just like get 
workout and I'm like, wow, that painting, first of all, isn't small. Some of them are mm-hmm. they're pretty large and it, they're, they're complicated. Yeah. And then I would see new work from you all the time. So you're pretty pro- prolific as far as like your, your output. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, which, that's my default size usually. It's about 60 by 40 inches. Really? That's your yeah. default size. <laughs> like, I refuse to go larger or smaller than life size. So what happens when you're feeling a little ambitious? Where do you go? <laughs> I go uh, bigger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when you were, so back to the, what you were saying about being young, you know, your age being 15 and wanting to start studying and you knew in high school that you're like, okay, there's, this is this thing I want to pursue and that's what I'm going to do. Like, where did that come from? Was there an, an outside influence that helped young Teresa start eyeballing this thing that I know I don't have to do this in school. This is my, this is going to be sort of a life goal Mm -hmm. pursuit. Yeah, um, I, I was drawing and, and painting a lot um, as, a, as a child yeah. for fun, mostly. Um, and uh, my, my parents would put me in art classes. And uh, at that time, there weren't any like atelier training yeah. things at all. But there were a few people who, you know, could teach portrait and figure or animal uh, sculpture or yeah. drawing or painting. So um, I, I took a few of those and... Um, but before that, I was just doing it, always making things in, at home for fun. Like I'd make my own toys mm. and, and amuse myself. So I would draw and, and paint. And um, I was mostly doing like, you know, like kids would do imagination. Yeah. Um, but I remember one time I had a How to Draw Horses book. And I think I actually copied one of the horses. And I remember like looking like, oh, that's pretty good. Like the how, like it was like realistic. Yeah, but I was. Was so it the Fifty Horses book by Jay Ames? Maybe it, they were in color, re- oh, no, oil paintings. Okay, no, no, no. Okay, <laughs> I I did some kind of must have been like tempera, and I, I think that was like the first time I did I did realism, and I was probably <laughs> five, and then, then then that didn't happen for a while after that until until like yeah I was about like nine or something, and then um, had no interest in like old masters or people it was all like animals and yeah. landscapes and then mm-hmm. when i was 12 i had um uh, i was visiting the library and i found the giant michelangelo sistine chapel book mm-hmm. and it was like must have been newly published and, and yeah. i uh just was like falling in love with that and then i found leonardo like i think that's the path most people do and then there's yeah. caravaggio maybe because it was accessible <laughs> at yeah. the time i remember we couldn't get you know, you couldn't get any books. One, I didn't know they existed, but I think the books were just very rare. But the things you could get was every Picasso book and every Michelangelo book, it, like classical uh, uh, Renaissance paintings, like books you can get easy yes. anywhere. And then modern art, and that's about it. Yeah. Everything in between was not very accessible to like kids without, you know, because there was no internet or anything like right. that. Right, yeah. And then comic books and illustration. And it it was due to the internet that I decided to pursue art seriously because I found the ateliers online. So I remember writing to uh, Jacob Collins on the Water Street Atelier before there was a website. It was like, (laughs) I see you have a school, but (laughs) there's no website. Like, how do I apply? And he's like, what's a website? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and I almost went and interviewed with him. um, And then I visited Studio Incominati. And and then the only other options I knew about were the Florence ones. And it just worked out that like going away to like the center of the European Renaissance was yeah. a more uh, easy sell to uh, 
Th- adults who are like, why are you wanting to graduate early? It's yeah. like, well, I'm studying abroad, so like they would oh. they would let me go oh. away there, <laughs> but they wouldn't let me be an as artist. As opposed to like Philadelphia <laughs> or Brooklyn. Yeah, they weren't. It wasn't a sell. Like they're like, no, we're not going to support that. You know, so. But wait, so what age were you when you arrived in Florence then? You were 16? Yeah. Oh my gosh, wow. And you're living on your own. Yeah, yeah, my mom came for three days and then I was on my own. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, good luck. Yeah. I'm getting out of here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, I I was quite um, serious already, like, like at 12 or whatever about art. So I was already very serious. so, So it wasn't that difficult for me to settle in. And I probably and got less serious as I got older. <laughs> but, but when you're in a situation like that, which is very structured, um, was it sh- shocking or weird to be in 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 a in a place where they're like, you got to do this this way? You're doing. Ca- I'm assuming you're doing cast drawings and stuff. Where you're like, I just I want to draw horses or or imagine I want things from draw things from my, uh, my imagination. Was it easy to adjust? Oh yeah, because I had been watching the schools for a few years so i was already Mm -hmm. trying to do figure drawing and and portraits so Mm -hmm. yeah so i was already like really excited to do it um and uh do you think being away from home helped too that you weren't being distracted by you know oh familiar things that are just my my as a teenager yeah like (laughs) yeah um i I think not having to be like studying other things helped because we just put all our time into drawing and painting and and so that was really good and the work ethic there i'm sure you guys had that um in in new york like the work ethic was like you know school was nine to four but then there was like life drawing and lectures afterward and then you'd like put life drawing groups together and and so you ended up going to school all day and like and all night maybe leaving at one in the morning or yeah, something yeah so uh, that that like it like it started off like oh i'm in florence and you know you see the city and you walk around and visit cafes and then, and then it's like after the first month you're just the studio grind smaller <laughs> and smaller yeah, <laughs> yeah so, so it was pretty good i liked it that way yeah <laughs> i i know that even with places like the gca but even earlier water street we weren't there as long because i just think we didn't have that set up that way. But I know at the GCA, you know, the students would be there for their, what, what the time they're supposed to be there, nine, you know, 8.30 to five. Mm. I would say outside of people who'd have to probably go work a night job or something like that, most of the people stay, then it's like dinner and everybody's like kind of hanging out and come night, uh, it's pretty busy there at the GCA like people are hanging out doing the night classes and that's like sort of open time well when you have it like when you're excited about this thing it's like it's like you're in love with it you just want to be with it all the time and yeah and you know whether it's like going home and just like staring at books Mm -hmm. or it's going to galleries or museums or it's you know just getting that extra session in in the evening like you just want to be doing it all the time we, we did have an extra perk. We could go to other Italian cities or other countries and, like, oh, go yeah. visit the Louvre or go oh, visit, yeah. like, the Vatican Overnight or tra- Naples. Train, right? Yeah, you could just be like, this weekend we're going to Naples, you know, yeah. and you form a band of students. And you go to Capo de Monte. Exactly. Yeah. Like, that was, that was, like, that was pretty cool. Yeah. It was easy to go see the places you were, like, learning about. So did you do a lot of traveling while you were there, too? Yeah, I did. It's in the summer. intrepid for a... Uh, 16 year old yeah yeah i i did a lot of uh traveling um but uh there were two years i didn't even come back to the states 
because the flights were kind of expensive. So yeah. it was like, I just have to find somewhere to be for the whole summer. So and your family was like, yeah, cool. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, you're so much older than the last time we saw you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's it been, two years? <laughs> I think I think they would visit sometimes, like if they had work in Europe, they would come and like, uh-huh. see them, that'd be kind of cool. But um, uh, no, I, I would go back actually, because I was um, doing portrait commissions and, and selling paintings and drawings to pay for school. So where at back at home? Yeah. Oh wow. How yeah. were you getting the commissions? Um like word of mouth now, and and like, like through family or just like through yourself? Very few, like maybe one or two through family, but mm-hmm. mostly like I'd put on uh, little exhibitions at like the local art league where I studied or um mm-hmm public libraries and I got quite a lot this was like um, around just before 2008 and just right after oh, 2008 right. so you know it was like you could still you can, yeah, sell yeah. a lot of work pretty easily I guess yeah. so I, I got a lot of commissions and I'd have like this plan so it's like okay I got home and I have like five portrait commissions and a show and and so that that kind of kept me on a, a schedule so you're busy so yeah. while busy. you're studying you're also you've, you're working. like starting this professional career you're showing you're doing commissions yeah it, it was pretty much just like to to pay for school like right that, that's pretty much the whole point but it was good practice because i was doing portrait commissions and so i didn't have to pay a model i was yeah like yeah. going to people's houses and offices and and I, I i live near the smithsonian in dc so i would go paint and draw people who who work there so i got a lot of commissions from museum people who you know worked at the who museum worked? of natural history or they worked at like the national gallery so that was quite fun oh uh, that's pretty awesome yeah so how long were wait how so you were in italy you did cecil and then you did no i'm angel. sorry angel mm-hmm. for two two years and no, then two three, years three years um Three and a half years at Angel and one year at Florence. And then when you were kind of done with that, did you come back to the States and continue studying? Or was it like, all right, I'm going to just start. So now you're like 20. Mm -hmm. I had had, uh, like two or three months where I just had uh, an apartment I was living in and I was still kind of in Florence. So Mm -hmm. I made a few um, big paintings. One of them's here, the one, the plague mask Mm -hmm. man with the flowers. That was like my first not school painting. Oh, wow. And and so... um, I was uh, planning to like go home again, you know, work a bit and pay for another year of school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like doing that, and then I was like, maybe I'll just stay here because I have like a bigger space, and and I have, um, I was like, you know, making like saving money, and I was like, this is this is nice. I'm just gonna like roll with this, and that's what happened. So I ended up not going back to school and just sticking just going for it just, yeah yeah but it was nice to have like that period where i thought i was gonna go back to school but i was just painting and uh i was like oh i'm learning more just working out all the information i've been given so what were you painting at the time because it you have a kind of look to your work not only just aesthetically but also subject matter wise mm-hmm. were you starting to develop your genre slash you know what is interesting to you your you know your, your the character of your paintings and everything what was going to be in it in Florence or was it something that you were working on for a long time or is it after Florence that you started developing what was in the painting yeah it was it was like those last three months in Florence and and when I got home again so um, I started with figure paintings mm-hmm. um, but I was starting to incorporate masks like I had the three nudes with the plague mask mm-hmm. and, and then um, started incorporating flowers and 
I started with those uh, chiaroscuros type of paintings because I really liked um, tenebrism from school. I thought that I was going to paint uh, tortured old men like Rivera, <laughs> you know, from Naples. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and, and then I was like, I don't know if this theme really is me. And then I kind of like looked around at myself and I was like, um, oh, you know, I'm wearing a lot of like striped socks and, and, and Victorian dresses and things. Maybe I should incorporate like my own interests um, rather than taking someone else's interests, you know, um, so I started to just paint things that I liked. And yourself a lot. And, and, and yeah, myself and, and like my sisters and, and friends and stuff. I, mm -hmm. I was using a lot of immediate family member and and uh, friends as models when I got home. Were you wearing Victorian dresses like starting when you went to Florence or? No, it started about two years in. Uh -huh. um, I, I How also- did that start? Oh, I, I, I um, went to Norway for a summer. Mm -hmm. Went and I spent uh, the summer with Odd as an apprentice. Uh -huh. And that was really great because he was one of my other heroes. Yeah. And um, it's even, like, it's, it's quite remote. It's on a fjord. And you're just surrounded by the other Nerdrum students. And um, I, I think I'd sold another painting in an exhibition. And um, I guess I was like, well, I'm gonna, you know, buy some clothes. Cause <laughs> <They're> shopping. <laughs> I, I, I was just buying, um, I'd like go to the market and buy like one Euro shirts and like people would give me their clothes when I was a student, yeah. you know? I was like really poor, so I didn't have a lot of like, nice clothes at all. And so I was like, let's, let's buy some clothing. You know, like what would I wear <laughs> if I wanted to buy nice clothing? So. Um, I started buying like you know fluffy skirts and striped stockings, and, uh -huh. and that's when it all started. So, and then I got back from Norway, and um, were you finding those things in like vintage stores in Norway? Online ordering. Oh, okay. It's online ordering. Because I mean, Neerdrum for like he, I mean, he also he dresses kind of maybe like seventeenth century. Yeah, that Dutch was inspiring. Thing. He yeah. was just uh, like living and and uh, not just pursuing the art he loved without following the popular trends right um he was also living that kind of life uh -huh. which was i thought was really cool he would collect um like classical greek and roman fragment busts and and like taxidermy animals and yeah. of mm -hmm. course all the things you see in his work like yeah. the costumes but but he also had a lot of things you don't see in the work um it's almost like rodanish like rodan used to buy so many classical antiquity fragments that he was like jacking the prices up uh, and, and to pay for his no, like p people just knew that you could just collecting. sell them for yeah. ridiculous oh, amount yeah. of money, and he had money. Oh, and oh so they were he about, yeah. he he made the market oh. spike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone was like, "Hey, <laughs> we get more for this." <laughs> well, it's amazing when you go to certain vintage stores um, when they know what they have, or if there's a if there's a whether it's a trend or some sort of uh, uh, people are looking for this, they'll just automatically just start gouging the prices right. of, yeah. of, of stuff. So I, I know people who are like experts at it, you know, it's happening with, um, you know, with still life painting, if you're going out to find uh, like antiquing and you're going to certain areas, back in the days you used to be able to get really great de mm -hmm. deals. Oh, this thing's like five bucks. And, but now with the internet, Everybody is aware of stuff, so you can they just jack everything up because they just yeah. go online. They're like, "Oh, it's selling for this much. Okay, that's how much I'm going to sell it for." Yeah, and it sucks for if you're mm -hmm. somebody who wants to collect like cool stuff to paint. <laughs> Actually, I think I think it just reminded me we had to do these still lives in in Florence in Angel Academy, yeah. and they're known for these. You only do four, but they take you like 
half a year each sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like the first two weeks is just this instructor, Jared, sending you out to buy props. And then really? you have to set them up and then you show him a photo because he won't even look at your setup. You have to show him a photo of your setup and he like will critique the composition and like send you back to redo the composition. So you learn through this process of elimination and um, sometimes it'll just be like, we'll maybe come up with a different arrangement, get a S curve or, you know, work on the depth or something. But other times it's just like that piece doesn't work. You need a better piece, get something red or, or buy yeah. this. So you're like biking around Florence <laughs> hunting for still life items to appease hunt. him. Yeah, and he's really difficult to appease. He's <laughs> impeccable taste. And and so- uh, You have to leave offerings. It's like yeah. offerings. And yeah, it was something like, red like a, and an egg. <laughs> I ended up buying like this 60 pound Croatian typewriter, you know? <laughs> so you're carting a 60 pound Croatian typewriter on a bike through Florence. Yeah. Yeah, it was, but that was like, I painted, that was like one of my things. I was like, that and a skull on a red ashtray from the Bank of Tuscany, <laughs> weathered paper that I had to put in an oven and, and weather and cook, you know, it was, it was really complicated. It took two weeks to set up. Two weeks just to set it up. Yeah. But, wow. That sounds like Tony. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, that's, that, that sounds, I mean, it, it, it that's great, but it sounds, I don't know if extreme is the, the right word, but to spend that long when you're doing something that is really like a learning thing. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess that's learning on how to set it up. Cause mm -hmm. even today I was speaking a little bit and we were, I was talking about how important composition is. Like it's so important. Like you can have a great looking finish and the pain is great and the form is great. But if the composition sucks, it's like, ah, oh, it's, it's really going to hurt like the appeal of the painting. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I, I'm surprised they weren't like, let's go. Two weeks is a long time to be fiddling with things in front of you. They you know? they believed in uh, quality over quantity. Which, <laughs> I can't you know yeah. I can't deny that. You know? I wonder, did you have to wrestle with that at all though? Because you've got a very strong like identity and aesthetic. Yeah. And I I can imagine somebody like telling you what you know what you have to collect or you know like. That, that would be a tough thing for you. No, I mean, that's why I wanted to go to school so young, because they said on the website, like, just just do what we say, learn the skills. It's mm -hmm. not about creativity, and you can do whatever you want later. Afterwards, so I yeah. took it to heart. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and so I, you just never argued, you never fought it, you just, you went with it. Yeah, I just uh, tried to spend a long time on projects and learn as much as possible and mm -hmm. ask a lot of questions and do a lot of extra work. Um, but also I didn't really have like my, my identity yet. Like, I think that's where a lot of it came, like wandering around old museums yeah. in Florence and, and like having to hunt for antique props. And then we learned about, um, well, I learned about all these uh, 19th century painters who I had no idea existed. Uh -huh. I mean, I, 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 the our ARC was like showing Bougro and stuff, but, but still like, it was just like really new cause like there's like impressionism and then there's old masters, but back the then was, looking at there. your compositions i feel like mancini might have been like a, a one of those people who like when you saw was very influential yeah he he was um but he was nothing like what we were learning then so he is someone i started looking at after school uh -huh. and it was kind of hard um like i don't know if you've ever tried to like sort of change your painting style on purpose but like i was painting really smooth and they would say like you know leave no brush strokes uh -huh. you know smooth surface and then it's like trying to do that and then go to like a more you look at impression, this guy, like not impressionist but like yeah texture know. and 
and like, cause I liked that nerd drum and then, oh, yeah, yeah. and then, and then that's what they did in Florence Academy, which I wanted. And then, and then I came back to the US and, and there's all these like all the Prima painters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was just like, wow, like what is all this? You know, this mm-hmm. is exciting. So did you go and study with some of those, like the, like Richard Schmidt kind of? I didn't study with him. Um, I had uh, just uh, more Robert Liberace classes. Oh yeah, yeah. But I went to conferences and so I watched lots of painting demonstrations at conferences. I've probably been to like seven by now oh, or wow. eight. So. <laughs> Yeah, but other than that, I have never taken like a workshop or anything. Mm-hmm. So when you were, it, it seems like when you were running around getting the props and looking at the museums and setting up these things, it was almost helping shape what was already there to almost like come out a little bit more. Because again, I, I want to go to your paintings. Your paintings are pretty unique. Um, what is is something is what's driving your paintings now different from then as far as like are you just going deeper into this thing are you changing your painting you know or are you just like i'm lit i'm in this world now mm-hmm. i've almost like just volunteered myself to just go into this thing with who i am as a person into my paintings because i when i look at your paintings and then when we hang out every once in a while at like a conference or something i'm like yeah there's no one uh, anybody else who's painting those paintings but Teresa. oh you know what i mean like i i I feel like you're living it Mm. well there there was a couple things um like three things i can think of um you know again like being in europe and especially like florence and italy places like that you know they don't update the museums a lot Mm. so you're rambling through like old passages and uh, palaces and um there's like no white walls it's it's all like intricate design so Mm -hmm. there's so much um, ornamental design sculpture relief work frescoes on the ceiling and um so especially like like the baroque churches you know Mm -hmm. um and uh and i was also looking like at a lot of um, art nouveau and 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 uh, things like that so even even um in like uh, a few years after school i went back to europe and i did like a four year or four year a four month uh, grand tour so i went to like 14 different cities like you know budapest and prague and and stockholm and berlin you know just like trying to hit all the big collections and mm-hmm. then i was supposed to see the churches because they have a lot of good art and um i think i've just seen so much of it that it just gets in my head and so like that seems just normal to me to have all that activity so um like the baroque style obviously with like you know rubens and yeah um uh, again like things that would be like considered more interior ornamental art not the kind of stuff that we would look at in an art book like yeah. that kind of stuff really inspires me mm-hmm. um like in uh, saint paul's uh, cathedral in london there's uh, grinling gibbons this wood carver and like i was like studying his wood carvings so i get inspired by um all the art that went along with the paintings that we study and love and then um when i got back to the states to work i I really did just work like i didn't go anywhere for like a year or two kind of isolated yourself yeah and 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 i um always wanted to be like a painter first and foremost so i didn't want to teach yet i didn't want to do anything else so i just made a living painting and, was um, even teaching something that you even inspired to? Was it something you found a little bit later, or was it like? I thought it would be something I'd do later when I had more experience. So at the time, I had done some in school, like a student teaching, but I didn't want to do it right away when I left. Yeah. Like some people would be like, "Oh, we should start a school in DC," and I'm like, mm-hmm. "No, no, no! I just want to paint all the time." <laughs> um, and then I, I, I first 
um, well, I didn't have like Facebook. Like I didn't, I even like didn't want to look at magazines to see what was popular. Yeah. Because I was like, I don't want to be influenced too much. Because you are easily influenced or you were just doing it because you didn't have time to look at other stuff? Um, I, I just, I think I just knew when I was like just um, starting my studio practice that I needed some time, like fledgling time, just yeah. without mm -hmm. any obligations um, and, and not thinking about like showing or anything just to make, like they say, like make a body of work before you take your portfolio around. I, I was just trying to do that consciously and then, and then, yeah, of course, I would look and go to conferences and look at magazines and really, you know, research stuff. But yeah, there would just be time periods where I would just uh, maybe unsubscribe because I was like, I'm getting too many magazines and I don't want to be getting influenced. Yeah, you're getting. You're, like this is for you're art collectors. Afraid, you're afraid to Not get, for me. Yeah, you know, I'm the maker. You're getting influenced and you wanted to keep it pure, sort of, you know, fine art. Yeah. As far as like it's coming from this person who's yeah know. especially like you know living in uh, the states again i mean we have a lot of nice old buildings and stuff in dc and beautiful museums and, and things but it's it isn't the same as living in like a historic town in europe so mm -hmm. i was like i didn't want to lose that that i that sense that creativity that i felt when i was studying because i had all these ideas and i wanted to do them but i didn't have the skills yet so i was like well i'm gonna wait and so then it's like it's time to make the paintings but i didn't want to forget that yeah. part maybe you, uh, you know it's like well you gotta everybody has to paint like sergeant or everybody has to you know or if you're gonna go in modern realism it's like at one point i remember seeing everybody was painting like a a, a female figure in, in a tub oh yeah it's like water uh-huh and then everybody was doing that right or you just like i'm doing this one thing i'm gonna isolate myself and and really just run down this path mm. um well, I, I like to take like a broader view of, of art history. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of feel like the last couple hundred years, the early modern period, and then the modern period can kind of be seen all together. Like mm -hmm. there's, there of course is a lot of time between us and Rembrandt or something, yeah, or, right. or the 19th century, but it's not really that much time in, in the whole scheme of things. And, mm -hmm. and um, I started thinking about this, uh, uh, well, one book I liked a lot was *The Judgment of Paris* yeah. by Ross King, and he's a great book. Yeah, yeah, I read, I read it a couple of times. It's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, with yeah. Masonia. Yeah. Oh well, well, so he he mentioned at the beginning that there was this sense of historicism because they're like in the Industrial Revolution, so they're like you know becoming us basically. We're, we're yeah. very much have a lot in common with them, and um, we're always like looking to just to generate like a couple like a like la the the generation before us or or like the last big movement or something well, well he was saying what was unusual about their time was that they were starting to look actually at the whole of human history because museums were being built archaeology yeah. and and so it was like common you know especially with people with wealth like they would build like build me a tudor house yeah. with the 18th century drawing room and then fashionable 19th century <laughs> parlor like they were picking what era they wanted and yeah. and i feel like that's kind of what we can do today yeah and, and, and that was quite modern at the time to, to build different rooms in different styles and the artists actually serviced different people. Like you had Alma Tadema's wife like only did Dutch interiors for like, was it for 17th century? She yeah. had like a special room that was built to look like a 17th century Dutch room and that's all she painted and she was known for that. And then he did Pompeii, uh, right. you know, Roman recreation. In that was, he studio, was known for. But he built his studio, a lot of those, uh, those interiors that he did that was his studio he had a built to look i mean it was like a set 
Yeah. They're very expensive. And apparently his studio is one of the greatest studios like in all of art history. I, I saw Lord Layton's studio in London. How That's was great. it? Yeah. I've never seen it. He has a, he has like a mosque inside it. And yeah. The, yeah, so you walk in, there's a little fish pond with koi and there's a, the guard tells you a funny story about how one of his friends or, or he was pontificating and he stepped on the fish pond during a speech. <laughs> like just like lots of silly stuff would happen mm-hmm. there. And, and, and yeah, that was another such room. Like he had, he had a, a room on the second floor is in a studio that you could look out into that mosque kind of I don't, I don't know if that's the right word for it but it was sort of like yeah, a type yeah, of church yeah. you know yeah. kind of mm-hmm. thing yeah. atmosphere in his house it was just amazing he had well I know that eclecticism with, with uh, Frederick uh, Church up at um, up Alana. in Alana that he pretty much had a mini Hudson River kind of in in his view so he had he a man-made lake a man-made built lake built to like echo the shape of because aesthetically he thought that was what needed to happen. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's just build a lake because we need, you know, There's we the need a curve it. in the just, Hudson River. Yeah. Or, or Missonier's uh, train station so he could follow the riders. Right. Yeah, right? apparently he, like, destroyed his whole, like, lawn because yeah. he would just... Yeah, so he had a And he cart. was misinformed by that exercise Do of you that, know the, the flying gallop, right? Yeah. The, the one where the horses, all of its all legs the, are off, yeah. you know, out yeah. at the same time. And then he he just Mybridge kind of disproved that oh, that yeah. was possible, and he didn't believe Mybridge at oh, first, wow. but eventually relented and recognized that. But I think he was for a mistaken, while he, he was... had that, yeah the train car <laughs> mm-hmm. so that he could watch the horses running. And yeah. I think he had somebody pull like a horse or other people pulling him so that he can go alongside, yeah. so he can like well, watch what they're doing. Car, like a, yeah, yeah, on so tracks. Like yeah, I don't know. Yeah. One of those. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I I, I like the story about him sitting on his balcony wearing Napoleon's suspensoir and sitting in his Napoleon saddle because he thought that he had the shape of Napoleon, so he's posing for Napoleon. In the middle of winter on a balcony outdoors. <laughs> Wait, uh, it, for his own painting of Napoleon? Yeah. Oh, and that, that yeah. like, wintery scene yeah. that's at Dorsey? But I, I mean, I don't go to that extremes. I, I'm not a historicist. Like, I don't care that everything's period accurate. Yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm more like an eclectic collector of curiosities. And uh-huh. then... But, I mean, all the curiosities seem to not be, like, of the, I don't know, last 50 years. Like, there is some i mean you're you're obviously curating a very like curating very carefully an aesthetic that, mm-hmm. that i i like um gustav klimt a lot yeah. and i always was trying to figure out how to i was like i want to mix his uh composition with maybe <coughs> john singer Sargent's style or something like you know mm-hmm. i would so maybe like uh just trying to use props for color and composition effect mm-hmm and and uh but you, have a, but you have an aesthetic with your prop, props too meaning i don't think you're randomly saying like i'm gonna go to walmart and get some like bright oh no red tea kettle <laughs> no because it's really bright and red and everything there's you're riding around on your bike yeah. like collecting yeah. just the right yeah uh there, there's a filmmaker i like uh he's still alive uh, a czech filmmaker named jan svankmeyer he did these stop animation films, and he which ones? Uh, Alice in Wonderland, Faust. Yes, 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 yes. yes yeah. I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He lived through like five different governments or yeah, something. It's yeah. like eclectic. I like, I like, I like a lot of his work and writings. And and he says that he also like when he he's a big collector of things. And um, 
it could just be like a garden hoe or something, but、mm. like a dirty old one. It has a story. He'll just collect it and then save it to use it in a film someday. Well, I mean, so I'm kind of like that in a way. Like you have to kind of feel a connection with some item. It's not just any item.、Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I tend to do a lot of still lifes, and I think that's exactly part of the.、Um, Aesthetic I look for is when I see something that I feel like. I mean, a lot of times I have an idea, and then I'll go collect the idea, or I'll make the I'll make、yeah. the the thing. And Ted makes fun of me for having to spend a well, long time trying to. I can't find this thing that's in my head, so I'll just go ahead and like fabricate it. That's what we did at Angel. We had to like make our own tabletops to look like、yeah. something was on a、yeah. bureau. Or Sergeant、right, yeah. did that. He had like a collection of staircases that you could just wheel behind the sitters. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, like, but I'm、Coming、doing it more not to like like. I don't want to like fake the tabletop. I'm looking for a good, t- but I'm just like I have something, or I'll look for something to be like. Hey, well, this is the, telling the story that I'm trying to tell and using objects. But one of the things that For objects, is a lot of times I like looking for things that have character that aren't、yeah. perfect, you、mm-hmm. know, that have a little bit of wear and tear, or they're just a little bit different. But then you also create your own wear and tear on those because the wear and tear isn't exactly right. So then Tony will go and like he'll do an ink wash over like a fire truck so that it's a little bit dingier, and then he'll like have to dent it just right. Yeah. <laughs> I, that sounds too contrived. <laughs> I try to keep it a lot more,、uh, a lot more, you know, authentic to what the <laughs> object is. But if I, I do think that if there's the story or the aesthetic or the concept that I'm trying to get across, and if I have to do that, I will. Meaning, I'm not a slave to what's in front of me because that's sort of besides the point. Even though I'm trying to get objects that have character in them because they saw life. They saw ex- their experienced objects,、mm-hmm. and a lot of times for for me, objects and color、um, are a character or an individual, and they have a story to tell. And maybe I can apply them to the story I'm trying to tell or the concept I'm trying to get across. So when I look at your paintings, I I, I was trying to imagine what your studio is like because I've never been to your studio. And do you, you sort? Of, yeah, I will. I'd love to. But do you engulf yourself in it, or are you like, no, they're props, or are you like, no, this is kind of like my life? It, they're very artfully arranged, usually in bookshelves.、Uh-huh. All the the, the props and、um, there's like books and then paintings everywhere. I like having a lot of the artwork around me. So do you keep your artwork around you, like your own? Yeah. Do you do you like to look at your own? I, I, I get I weird do. about my own. I, I don't. And、um, usually, what happens is、um, the pieces that don't sell right away are usually the weird ones. Uh-huh. So I get surrounded by the really weird, weird ones. Weird, <laughs> by what standard? Like, like I think the good ones, but like yeah, the, the weird ones. <laughs> That's that a good answer. Didn't good sell. Ones are, yeah, and then、sell. maybe I start keeping them, you know, for myself. Then so like, ah, I won't tell them, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm surrounded by those, and then,、um, yeah, it is also just a good atmosphere. So like, I have a lot of.、Um, Portrait sitters or models or collectors come, so it's 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 good. They come and they immediately understand the work and everything because there's, you know, like three dozen paintings and, and、yeah. hundreds of props and books,、mm-hmm. and you can open books and talk and well, make and a tea. Well, then they see and, you and, and yeah, you step out of your own paintings. So yeah, yeah. So so it's definitely the studio is very、um, like I make sense in that. World of my studio, and then、um, I just got this giant 17th century Dutch cabinet, oh,、wow. and I am collecting pigments. So, so like 
Oh, like raw pigments. All old historic pigments or pigments historic or? ones or just new versions of that? Um, I, I collect inorganic pigments. Okay. So most of those are historic, but there's a few like the cobalts and uh, yeah. you know, Mars colors and things. Are there. you making your own paint? I've, I'm slowly transitioning to making my own paint. It's, yeah. Do you like the difference in making your own as put? Yeah. I, I, I'm, I've been taking some... Um, like they call it painting best practices workshops that uh, oh, not George sure Hanlon. George O'Hanlon yeah. yeah and so episode whatever look on <laughs> suggested donation done. they're yeah. awesome they're yeah. so great and, and then I'm friends with some art conservators and um, so I've been paying attention to a lot like the last year or two a lot more than I used to and so the the rheology of the paint like is it long or short or buttery yeah. uh, th that's mm -hmm. really interesting and there's well, a lot you can of control that in a lot of cases yeah by making it yourself. you can get one pigment to do several different things by just you know the mm -hmm. way you mull it and they're you know? they're uh, unadulterated there's no fillers there's um you know what's in it and and like the lead colors especially like i use um red lead or arminium yeah. mm -hmm. and then i use like lead tin yellows and naples yellows and lead white so those sometimes will dry in the tube on you if you yeah, don't I was gonna say, use you, them fast you, enough. Your shelf life is pretty is much shorter on oh, your so you, own. You're your mulling own. and then tubing. No, I do it now like the Renaissance way. I like the day of, like yeah. the morning yeah, of. Yeah, the morning of. You need assistance yeah. to do that now, for you. I got like a rotation. I do like three colors maybe yeah. a day, and I make enough to last a few days. And yeah. and because you're making it fresh, it's not been in a tube for a year. Yeah. It, it will last you longer. Yeah. And like leads are really nice when they're fresh because because yeah. they're still usable in the tube. But like you have to kind of add some oil to them sometimes to kind of loosen them up. And can I give make, you an idea that yeah. what I do? Yeah. So because I I tend to mix like pre-mix my colors for the day <laughs> is I do I take like saran wrap yeah and I put it out I double it you know I fold it onto each other and I plop it in the center and I and I just wrap it and tape it oh. and it's like a drug baggie and it'll last I've done yeah you know with with like it's like a with, modern pig's bladder yeah, yeah. it's exactly yeah. that <laughs> and I have ones that have lasted like not six six months depending like even like a, a burnt umber which would last that uh, would drive quickly like a mixture of burnt umber plus something else depending on how much i made mm -hmm. um i just put it in that wrap it and put it away and it could last you know i'm usually using it every day for the for whatever painting mm -hmm. like for one painting but it can last like six months to a year like six months and all i do is every morning i'll just take a pen and and just oh, and wow. just put out enough, and they la and they're beautiful for like several weeks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So I oh I only say that because I don't want you mess messing with too much like you know red lead oh, <laughs> every oh, day. That, that, yeah, <laughs> that's like, a good stop point. Doing that. <laughs> well, I mean, do I it have once, <laughs> like every six months or every every month, do it uh, once, and you'll be good. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> true. Well, you know, it gets me in the mood true. though. You paint big yeah you're making large quantities yeah oh i i think it just works well if you're going to paint big so i i've been stretching like 90 by 70 inch canvases oh, so awesome and i have also panels like the the acm uh i was about to say you're still stretching yeah. Yeah, after working with george you're still stretching canvas. i i have uh, up to like 60 by 40 inch um the artifacts aluminum yeah. dibon panels but, but bigger, bigger by yeah. won't go down my stairway yeah they can uh, do yeah. a honeycomb panel very light yeah so i can get that size but are they but, are they back are they are they uh um, cradled cradled on the back 
Mm. Well, they have this honeycomb thing that. So it stays pretty rigid. Yeah, it is. I've, I've used it's, the honeycombs. It's, it's just not like, that big. I don't know how wide it would be, like half an inch wide. Okay. Okay. So I don't think it's cradled on the back. Oh wow. But but yeah, I'll, I'll frame it and everything. And yeah. When it's done. But but yeah, I'm stretching canvases for the bigger ones because otherwise they won't fit out the door or out, <laughs> out the stairs. Yeah. And and so then you kind of do feel like an old Renaissance, like Johto or someone, like like living out the Michelangelo dream. <laughs> so like I'll draw with charcoal, just like what I want, and then I'll have to sort of like come up with reference, and then then you grind your own colors, and you know you make enough for like what you think you're going to use for <laughs> the week. For the, yeah. You know, it's kind of fun. It's, yeah, it's a change. You know, because because like I have had the convenient <laughs> tubes for for like yeah forever. So I'm like, why not try a different thing and slow down a bit, like not be so maybe so so prolific and, and spend more time and you know uh, listen to a podcast while you're grinding paint <laughs> or something just to get in the mood so like i i kind of like it, it, uh, it uh, i mean it definitely like it behaves differently and it's it's always in a good way mm -hmm. i find when i make my own paints it's did, just did you make ultramarine and the way it just like almost flo like flows levels out it, it almost like it, 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 it becomes fantastic almost, it's like liquidy yeah and then it and then you pull it and it's like oh no it's paint stack lead's the weirdest one because it like if, plays dead yeah yeah because you, you add sheer force to it and then it like flattens and then you and then it stiffens up again yeah. Yeah. it's like, like yeah. one of those goats that yeah, faints it's, yeah. so it just faints and then it gets up and runs away awesome <laughs> <laughs> or possum <laughs> lead white is the the possum of like the, the color world the opossum of the palette <laughs> I, I really wish them people or, or manufacturers would like make larger batches of stack lead because it's always running out you it's know it's expensive it's you like, can buy a i think doesn't george sell like a, like a like a tin of it or something he does like that? Yeah, yeah yeah limit to three containers per customer yeah. so because it's like they're but they're making more they're going to well, start making it bigger but it's the restrictions that um that's causing it to be so expensive not because it's hard to get it's the restrictions and i guess the um the waste you know having a, the waste management of it yeah um i, I don't think you can though, even can you even great. buy lead white in europe i don't if, think if they you're sell a restorer it. or professional but you can't like if you're just a painter who wants lead white you can't go to the local store and buy lead white right unless they have old tubes lying around yeah no i i'm sure that people have work rounds though i'm sure but resourceful here we're pretty fortunate to be able to get for sure generally gen anything we want i mean that's kind of why i was collecting pigments because i was like I'm, I'm tired of oh there's going to be a ban on cadmium so i'm like i'm like okay i don't want to worry about, about that there will be a ban on leads probably <laughs> yeah eventually that's they've been talking about bans on cadmium for a while now yeah yeah i mean it's very possible uh which is would be bad news because some of the synthetics apparently uh. are now they're calling into question the um Light fastness. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a whole interesting there was a whole con conversation. That. Were you part of that conversation, or I was at an ASTM meeting, the one that in DC. Yeah, yeah. the National Gallery. There's another one happening this this November as well. What is ASTM? It's like Art Material Trade yeah. Standards or something. There's uh -huh. ASTM's like a I've been to a international body. It's for everything, not just art materials, but that section is like basically like they come up with standards. Yeah, like, and I you went, went to, to the the conference that i heard a lot of scary things right yeah. well goldens had done tests yeah on some of those pigments and found that all of the light fast ratings were not exactly accurate well what it was is that they were testing with a really specific titanium white mixture that contains zinc and titanium uh -huh. and it turns out that zinc actually while it's a poor um it forms a poor paint film it's it's yeah. it can be really brittle and your paintings can delaminate right. after 100 years they say 
but but it actually keeps fugitive colors light fast better a small amount of it yeah Yeah. so so all the tests were done with zinc so if you use lead those colors are not light fast and it's mostly organics it's not all of them but the organic colors are the ones that are suspicious and it's because they're so new they haven't had hundreds of years to to be tested so They and have, now that so many people are pulling zinc from their from their paint because of the, the because of that, now they're starting to see a little bit of a breakdown in like you were saying the light fastness because of like that whole zinc thing. I went to, I popped my head into the one that was in like San Antonio, Texas. Like they had another one, and it was around zinc, yeah. and that was the big issue. So I think I didn't know they did the DC one until recently. So I think because of that, they were like, whoa. I feel they're like I'm like, hearing that like, I should put like a tiny bit of zinc in my paint, but then I'm also hearing I think a no tiny zinc. bit is okay, but if you're using a lot of zinc, it's not. What it's they not. could do is they could coat the zinc with another, like like mica or something. That's how they make interference pigments. Really? And then it could probably work, but it, the zinc can't be uncoated. But we don't know? It's, I just, it's, a, it's a thought. They yeah. could do that. Yeah, but, but, but we don't know. But zinc by itself is a poor paint film. Yeah. But what's funny is that zinc in acrylic or like gouache is the best white to use yeah it's almost, this is the opposite in oil in oil it's not good in uh a gouache and stuff it's the that's the one you want to use. not acrylic i'm sorry in gouache, in gouache it's the best white that's the one you should be using for mm-hmm. all your highlights and everything like that but i i i mean i How love I, d- I don't know why <laughs> i forgot so you know? i did know uh, and i don't know anymore like i forget things really easy why, 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 why zinc is good in, in gouache i think you gouache. can't use lead because it darkens or something no no i or, mean like as opposed to titanium oh like titanium is fine but zinc is the one you want to use i was actually I just know. at the verrocchio exhibit at the national gallery and there were drawings heightened with lead gouache oh really yeah, yeah. That didn't seem to darken. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'm right about the darkening thing. But I'm gonna. Yeah. Go, I'm gonna assume that it will yellow though, because it's lead. lead. No, because the yellow is the oil. So if it's gouache, there's no oil. But, but lead seems to yellow over time, a little bit. I think it's just the oil, isn't it? All paints yellow. All, all, all oils yellow. Good thing oils about oils too. But yeah. Good thing about lead is you can just put it in the sun for a little bit and it kind of bleaches it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So as far as uh, <laughs> there's a sidetrack of like yeah. nerdy, Technical stuff. Of nerdy I, stuff. I, I met uh, one of the other faculty members here. He, what kind of brushes do you use? He actually like gets stones, like lapis stones, and he makes his own yeah. uh, vermilion. So I was like, we were nerding out for like an hour after you guys all went to bed. Um, <laughs> and it was like fascinating. I was like, wow, he actually makes his so own. So where does he get his stones? I don't know. He said he'd hook me up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is somewhere in Russia. It's, like a, it's, a it's always spot. Russia. In Australia. Australia? Yeah. Oh. I don't know. He didn't tell me. <laughs> he was afraid you were going to go, like, blow up his spot. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're there. He's like, you're not supposed to be here. This is my spot. No, we were comparing Wunderkammers because he also has a giant old, like, 18th century cabinet full of pigments. Oh, and, like, oh, a skull wow. in it and everything. So we were, like. A real skull? I, yeah. So I was like, oh, your, your cabinet's better than mine. It's got wooden carvings on it. Mm-hmm. And, and a skull. And and handmade paint. And, you know, it was my I knew a couple <laughs> of people uh, who had real human skulls. Because, you know, you can get them, but you have to have a, a medical license. I have one. Yeah, yeah. I got it from my antique clothing store in Florence. What do you... Um, so what I know you... You were saying that you weren't going to teach, like you weren't thinking about teaching, but you do teach now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I teach workshops and... and so far, I kind of do workshops in Europe in the summer, uh-huh. 
So I like to go to Europe for figure, three like or figure, four months. Figure workshop? Portrait, drawing, and painting. It's a figure too sometimes. Uh-huh. Sometimes I'll do like, um, I kind of like mix still life and figure together. Yeah. So we'll do some of those. So you're setting up basically paintings that you would paint and then teaching the workshop around those? Is that not quite because it has to look good from like, you know, 180 degrees around right. the room. So, but so, I mean, but it, something like, oh, so yeah, people can use. you're one still life and everybody's painting that. With a figure in it. As opposed to like one, everybody has their individual setup. Well, sometimes, sometimes like if, if I can, you know, work at a school that has like natural lighting, we mm-hmm. do site size and everyone has their own model. Yeah, that, that also happens. It really depends on the location because, yeah. you know, every place has different facilities. Yeah, but yeah. one of the ways to do it is that you're just setting up like one big still life mm-hmm. and then everybody's Comparative like, measurement and, and editing the background a bit so yeah. they can like move props over kind of mm-hmm. in their painting and work out compositions and stuff. It's part of the, part of the class. And does that happen in your paintings? Like you're kind of, I mean, imagine if it's just you, you can kind of set it up exactly as you want, but do you find yourself kind of editing things as you're like on the fly a little bit or yeah, um, as flowers die or something? Yeah, uh, when I was doing like a little less ambitious projects, um, I could just set it all up, but I wanted to get away from that because it felt um, not too academic, but it felt like, okay, I want to challenge myself more. So, So now with the ones I'm working on, um, I'll have like many different model sittings and people come in and, and different references and um, even just like draw out what kind of what I want it to be first and then like I said find people and, and make you know photographs or, or set up still lives and just kind of assemble everything then after making up the design so mm-hmm. it's not something you can set up it'll be like flying people and things so like that so it's never right <laughs> <laughs> or or yeah there's all sorts of fun stuff so yeah. is, is are, are you thinking of um you know uh ideas kind of in your head sketching them out without doing any reference or hiring models and then setting up to your ideas or are you letting the ideas happen as you're just setting something up that seems appealing to you like in your studio with with most of the paintings um that i have on my website and done um i would collect the props for many years mm-hmm. like we were discussing and then get you know have a immediate sort of circle of friends or people i got to, to know a little bit and then um i would try to think about something i could do with a certain person who was sort of inclined to want to sit for me and then, so, like a, a person that you know who's going to be your model, do you ha- you come up with like, oh, I think I know what I want to do with this person, like uh, unique to that person? Well, usually what happens is yeah, I'm, I'm collecting stuff, collecting stuff, doing self portraits, um, doing still lives, and then people kind of come to me and go, I really want to pose for you. And because I'm on the, I was like, I was That's especially, nice. I was really shy, like <laughs> a really shy, right? So who comes over and and so was, it would be hard for me to reach out to someone like, can you pose for me? So, so they would be like, I want to pose for you. What would also happen was like, I'd do a lot of portrait commissions. So I'd be like, hey, uh, maybe during or after the commission was over, can you come back and pose for me for fun? And they'd be like, oh yeah, sure, yeah, I'd for, love to. Like for me, yeah, for, my, or, for my work. Yeah, or, or if they had like, you know, children or something, I'd be like, can I paint your son for fun or something like that? Yeah. So that would happen. Um, so it's like people who had already come, you know, and then, um, so then I'd, we would have a date, they were coming and then I would, try to think about what I'm actually going to do 
and then I usually would come up with everything on the spot. On the spot. Yeah, that's okay, just so how I like to like, do it. I have this like painting that I've stuck in my head, and I got to create this thing, and I got to get the right person. And, and I everything. I did some of that, like because we were trained to do like thumbnails, value studies, yeah. color studies. Um, I, so I I did that, but it always um, I the thing in my head never seemed to like. I'd always get a different idea while I was doing the setup. While that was so it, different yeah. that I was like, let's just. <laughs> Embrace the Let fact just see that. that it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like over the summer, um, I was teaching some classes and traveling around and I was at the beach and I was at, um, in, in, in Berlin at the museum island. It's really great. There's yeah. all these archaeological museums and from like Paleolithic, you know, in Egyptian and Greek and, and it's really cool. So, um, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to actually start drawing out ideas. So I started having like free association almost and like uh -huh. drawing things I wanted to paint that I'm gonna to have to set up. And they're obviously like, when you see them, like they're not things that you could ever set up. So um, they're like taken from like lots of time wandering in museums and- But why couldn't you set them up? Well, or at least- well, well, one of them I'm gonna paint is, um, is gonna be a, um, a woman like reaching for an apple, sort of sitting in a shark's mouth. Okay. <laughs> like a Garden of Eden setting. <laughs> so I just like, I want to paint that. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's like, like I, I go like on runs. It's like, I find a cool tree that looks really weird. I find yeah. like reference here. And I'm like, okay, now how do I make this happen? So, yeah. so you, can't, you can't set it up quite. Like, yeah, so now I'm trying to do something you have to premeditate. Because mm. I want to challenge myself more. Because I'm like, I've done enough paintings where I just kind of set it up and, and it's in go front of you. narrative yeah, I mean, I, stuff, narrative and stuff yeah. I always wanted to do like multi-figurative painting with narratives and I feel like I was um just trying to get really good at painting and get the skills better and you know whatever get art career and and be more like stable so that I could um afford to just sort of like say okay here's just huge budget and time and just order tons of giant canvases and panels and make whatever you want and then uh, maybe try to have a show after like a year or two of that. So that's you know, kind of what I'm gonna do now. Yeah. But I feel like I've been kind of not playing it safe, but but Good. I haven't done that yet. So yeah. now it's like, now it's time. Like I feel like, not like my skills aren't gonna get better, but I feel like the only way to make the skills better are trying to take on something well, that I can't do. Yeah, To be uncomfortable. Well, so eventually you wanna do the thing that you've always wanted to do. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. You don't wanna wait too long. Exactly, yeah. So you're just starting on those paintings? Yeah, I have one almost done, and then I have another one, um, like kind of all drawn out. And these are the big, big paintings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that won't fit down the stairs and stuff. And then, <laughs> and then the other one, I'm gonna like probably order the canvases for like this week or something. And are they narrative? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. You know, people, you know, who aren't doing that, they don't realize the the financial sacrifice that you're putting into doing yeah. big paintings. Like, it's significantly more expensive oh, yeah. to do a big painting. People Not told me that, and I wouldn't but, believe them. Yeah. I was like, oh, come on. And I'm like, okay, now I believe you guys. It's also limiting <laughs> yeah. because not that many people have walls, have walls that, that size, big. nor budgets that can like afford your time that you spend, you know, I don't know, six months on, on one painting. Yeah. But at the same time, because you're doing that, say like, well, there's people out there doing it and they're like, no net, no safety yeah. net, I'm going for it. And I do think that there's- Like um, I believe enough I in believe this idea. I believe enough in this to, idea to, to say, I'm gonna put not only my time, financially, I'm backing up. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not that nervous about it. Um, 
but I've been um, doing pretty good, um, like selling art wise, mm-hmm. and I'm I always make sure to have um, like several streams of income. So there's like commissions and teaching, and then there's sales, and then mm. you know whatever else like you can do. There's other things like DVDs or oh, yeah. um, I have a small. I make scarves, like silk scarves. So I sell really? like clothing and and I and, and stuff like that. So I have, you know, like House of Oaxaca, the silk scarf, silk scarf business. Like, uh-huh. So I, there's like lots of stuff, and then um, uh, like savings, you know. So like then you feel like okay, now I'm gonna go right. do this big painting, and and it doesn't feel you're just scary. a hustler. I love it. You're out there just like going for you. Like a- uh, well, you know, like um, yeah. I just I just feel like it. It, it should be done and, and then, you know, make the work first and then find places to exhibit it, maybe preferably locally, just because of the size. And uh, and then, but I don't want to have to, like, go out and try to find a place to show it first. I just want to make it first. Again, like, yeah. like I don't want to be influenced at all by, by anyone. Like, this, you shouldn't paint this or you should paint that or make it smaller or can you hurry up for this event? So so it's, it's just something I'm going to kind of keep on the low down. Yeah. Oh, like only post it on social media, like or something. Not like do anything serious advertising about it, and and just uh, make it happen. And then that's uh, that's good. So I would, as somebody who's you know, I like to think I'm creative art. I'm an artist. I'm a creative person. There are people who are that, and every part of their life, they're like living the creative life. Like you'd go to their house. And everything was done. I'm like, God, just that corner of the room. The, is- I think that might be why I like to dress up um, when I go out and um, always try to be like, like putting your best foot forward. Yeah, and it makes making paintings easier, actually, because making paintings is a harder act. Yeah. Because anyone can put on a nice outfit or, you know what I mean, dress up a little. But like actually making art is like you were guys saying, such a financial sacrifice and time sacrifice even more so and then um yeah and then like the willpower to make it happen and and uh even if it's like oh it's not like like where i live um in uh in washington dc um figurative painting is not the main thing you know it's mostly like modern abstract installation Mm -hmm. art it's like if you're painting on canvas it's like there's something wrong with you you should be making I mean, installation that's, that's building every, a room that's, that's, that's like an immersive experience so, so you know there's like it's like you can feel like there's not a lot of support um even if you have like a big following around the world or you have like you know these conferences you have workshops yeah. and, and all those things but um so you need something to kind of pull you through that maybe so you know i was talking about this earlier today but children you know every moment of my daughter she's eight mm-hmm. and my two-year-old she's eight and every moment she's doing something kind of like sort of creative you know or just like her movements like we're walking down the hallway normally and when she's walking down she's just flailing her arms or kicking up her feet picasso i think had some quote he was like you paint like you're free as a child or something I'm, i'm interpreting it i can't remember but i think the gist is like you should feel like you're that like your daughter with the rock wanting to make a car Every time like like we i think the idea is like we should learn the technical skills and yeah. then free ourselves a little bit enough so that we can um feel like a kid with a rock having the greatest time of her life <laughs> and with our work while using our skills like not forgetting them but yeah. it's a little different than what he did maybe but yeah. like like i think that would be really cool well you know? i think the main difference is that a search 
for something and skill is like a big part of it. Like kids are trying to actually represent things accurately and realistically, let's say that's what they know. They're just figuring it out in a really kind of like fun roundabout way because their brain is firing off in yeah. so many crazy ways. It's interesting putting them in a life drawing class though. Um, and often you don't have to teach them anything because they are good mimesis or whatever. Like if you put them with adults, yeah. you gotta put them with adults and they're like by themselves and they wanna, like, like if they're anything like I was and a lot of them are, they'll just wanna be like just one of the other students. And so they'll like outdo most of like the adults who are usually mm-hmm. in like, you know, like weekend kind of classes, they're amateurs. Yeah. So a child will easily surpass them within a few days, it, drawing or sculpting from life yeah. Just using their own natural creativity and then wanting to try something and mm. then looking at what the adults who've been doing for like years are doing. And, and it's quite amazing. And we're like, like locked in. So they we, can quickly we, do it, you know? That. Your paintings seem like you're having a lot of fun painting them or composing them, just conceiving of them. I mean, they just, they have that quality that it just, it looks like you're like fully immersed in this world and having like the best time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely am, especially... Um, like I think after like the ten year mark of of being an artist, like mm-hmm. it starts to feel a little easier. Yeah. Um, I, I hope it's not like my quality is slipping, but but like I, I feel like it, it's not easier. It's fun. You know, mm-hmm. it starts to get fun, and and um, like I can listen to a book while I work, and yeah. then I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing, and it's just you're happening. An automatic pilot. Yeah, and yeah. It, and it does better when you're not paying attention to it. Yeah. Because you're your uh, self-criticism is not getting in the way. Of course, you want to critique it like like every half an hour. Yeah, but, but yeah. you know, there's moments where you're in the flow state. Mm-hmm. Where, in the pocket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that that's quite fun. So yeah, I, I do enjoy it Do you get frustrated No, days? No, I have found a really good routine. Um, one thing that I, I started doing again um, is I started reading art books, like actual physical books. I have really big coffee table books of artists mm-hmm. I'm interested in and ones that I'm not, but I think I should be, that I'll try to read for like an hour or two over breakfast mm-hmm. and, and not look at the smartphone. Because as mm-hmm. soon as I got the smartphone, like my reading went out the window. Yeah, it was yeah. like I was just scrolling on the phone and doing a lot of good stuff, like looking at things, pictures and- yeah, Researching. Researching, but, but it's not the same. So um, I try to look at books and then I go make paint. And then, <laughs> and then I make, and then I paint. And then it's like, I have to have exercise. Cause if you're like painting full time, you know, so I, um, I started running yeah, and, and I started, I used to be a runner, um, in high school and I stopped for a long time. And so I'm getting back into it. And so I'm sort of becoming like a, some, a little bit of a long distance runner. So I found I can like run to DC because it's only like 10 miles away. So I'll- there, 10, 10 there and 10 back. Yeah, so I'm running to like wow. interesting things and I'm getting ideas and there's something about like um, kind of running, not to your limits, but exhausting yourself. It's kind of cleansing and like you just purely look at things and come up with ideas and I'm like, oh, this is really good for me. And then it's like, I don't have to like have like anxiety or frustration, you know, those kind of things that go hand in hand. Um, so that's hel- that's helpful cooking. So you're eating healthy and you're, being creative and then um the other saving grace is like doing a workshop every month or every two or or some kind of thing where you leave the studio so for like a week so or or whatever four days so um i'm usually like flying somewhere or 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 going somewhere else for for a conference or a workshop or a show and then that clears my head and then i get back and i 
begin again. So do you think as far as um, you were talking, are you going to start gathering paintings for like a big show or something? Is that kind of what the next yeah. project? Um, well, I had like my last big show, I think about two years ago, last mm -hmm. November, two November's ago, and it was like a lot. It was three rooms and two floors, and it was wow. in President Monroe's old house in D.C., so oh, wow. it was a nice wow, kind of row nice. house, like colonial row house, and I had 54 paintings, wow. maybe 57, and that was really fun. But, you know, after you have a show like that, and, you know, you don't sell all of them, but you sell, like, you know, a lot of them or something, and um, you don't feel like you can put the same pieces up too many more times because everyone's seen it yeah. you know you and, retire them and then i <laughs> was yeah and then and then and then and then a lot of times i'll be working on paintings and then i'll sell it when it's on the easel so i don't have a lot of a lot unsold of show, yeah. new stuff yeah. not like big stuff but you're working on that yeah so so i i don't have enough to put a big show on but i want to and, and I feel like I feel like exhibiting is a really important part as an artist. Yeah. You know, coming and seeing like all like not just like group shows, but like those are really good. But like um, those are great because you can compare your work to others and like learn things. You know, that you and can't yeah. tell the only photos. time they're ever going to be together. Yeah, ever. You know, but also having your own work together and, and, and yeah. seeing that like the narrative arc of like a year or two. And, 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 and then, you know, the public, right? Like the public can see the art. Yeah. And, and those are, it's hard to put shows on because it's like either you need to find uh, a we, gallery that wants what you do and will give you a show. And that's like harder than people think. And then, because um, there are like so many good painters and it's hard for galleries. So there aren't like a lot of galleries, you know? Right. And then, or, or you can make other venues. Um, but, but whatever it is, it's like it's hard and it's an undertaking and... Sometimes it just feels easier to just sell the paintings out of your studio. It's and an, an incredible. Mm -hmm. like, it's like, why bother? You know? yeah. but then <laughs> it's a chance you're taking People that is really could. It'd be um, nice if the gallery bought all the paintings yeah. for the show and then they resold them. Well, that's what they know? used to so do. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, I was reading well, about. Well, super fancy. Yeah. They bought them from you and then when they sold them, they gave you 60% of the sale price. That was a gallery in Paris in the 19th century. Yeah. Yeah. One of them did that. When I heard that, I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that would oh, that would free you up. Yeah, that would yeah. free you up to do whatever, like to really swing for the fences. But I can do that right now. So, so I'm going to just do whatever, and then and then I'm going to find a venue to show it, maybe multiple times. <laughs> so like, I want to do it, but so like a I, traveling show, like multiple times in multiple cities. Yeah, maybe that would be fun. So. I guess that's that's the challenge for me is like finding like venues to exhibit and um, and yeah I, f I feel like, like like artists have to do that regularly you know yeah. I, I kind of think it's part of it just like for the art world for our own self for for others to see the art because mm -hmm. you know it's so easy now to just um, hide not hide behind social media but like you can hide behind a newsletter or social media and feel like you're getting your work out right but it's not really yeah. out there is it you know. <laughs> Yeah, They're not on a phone screen. It's by no, and particularly if you're working on large paintings, like yeah. it is by no means out there. And we're not doing digital work. We're doing like you know, like we're talking about things, pigments yeah, for like right. ten minutes there. Like like we care about the physicality. The real thing. Yeah. Well, kudos and respect for that. Yeah, I mean, I've been following you guys' work for like like probably before I was in school. So oh, wow. yeah, <laughs> so this is really cool for me. Wow, <laughs> it's amazing. Or at least during school, you know, it was like like yeah, exactly and. 
yeah, you, you see people making, like you say, they're just like, they keep getting better and they're yeah. making more work. You're like, oh my gosh. And, and you always, uh, I always like admire the people who like have been doing it for like, you know, they don't, they didn't, they didn't just do like two years of hits. Yeah. It's like, oh, like how is it evolving? And yeah. what's the whole body of work? I think having a nice big portfolio is really enviable. Yeah. Lots of different pieces. Yeah. And I, I think that's so fun. I think paintings are the same way too. People sometimes, <clears throat> like when I'll teach, they'll say like, oh, I want to stop now because I'm going to ruin it if I keep working on it. Yeah. And <laughs> and I found like, if, if you take photos or if you have them take photos of their painting as it progresses or do it in your own work, it's like, no, it gets better actually the more time you put into it. <laughs> yeah. it, it you know? And for some reason, it takes like a fear of like going further. Because well, people are going into the unknown, yeah, and that uncomfortable feeling, like we were talking about. I think it is good to be uncomfortable, and I have to say that to myself because I'm often You're very right. not comfortable. Although, I have to say the other side of that is that uh, you know, if you don't know where you're going with it, and you're just kind of working on it to work on it, like. Uh, which a lot of the time, if you're like teaching or something, mm. you know, if, if somebody doesn't have a clear sense of where they're going and they keep working on it, they can ruin it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. And I've actually found recently, it's weird, but like uh, with a lot of my paintings, I'm finding that like I'm having to stop myself, particularly mm. like sketches, like plein air sketches, if I'm just out there, like if I just kind of keep working on it, maybe it's like the ocean and the lights changing and whatever, but like, if I keep working on it, I actually will ruin it. Oh, wow. Yeah. How long would you spend on an ocean picture? It's getting shorter and shorter. Because you're getting better and more experienced. I don't know about that. Or you're just you getting the essential Maybe stuff I'm, in there. Maybe I'm like recognizing finer distinctions. And so I'm noticing that it's radically, like more radically than I would have noticed at kind of a broader stage of development that it's two, the things I'm looking at are no longer there. And you know, light changes outside pretty quickly, and so it, you know, it used to be like four or five hours, and now it's two or three hours. Don't you feel great just being at the ocean? It's like a feeling that oh until God. you're there, you like. I only go like once a year, you know, for like a, a week or a few weeks, and uh -huh. and I'm always like, wow, I forgot how great this was. You're not that far. I know. I don't even go to the one in Atlantic. I go to the North Sea. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds pretty cool. But yeah, I'll just. I mean, it must be great. You know, you're just—I've never tried like painting when you're feeling that feeling. That must be—it's so really great. special. Yes, yeah, it is. I like every time I get there, I'm just like, <sighs> I just wow. be here. Yeah, I think it would be great to have a house like on, like maybe not a big house because you don't want it washed away, but like you know, a, a cottage on the water oh, yeah. facing it. That would be kind of cool, like a studio facing the the ocean yeah although i also find that because it's changing so much i have to get away from it to make my paintings so that oh. uh i can't if i try and like i can do small sketches and increasingly they're getting like smaller and smaller but if uh if i actually try and make a painting that feels like a fully realized kind of statement i can't be anywhere near it because it it's like the pull of like seeing something different is just too strong. I'll be like, oh wait, wait, that's happening. I gotta, I gotta focus on that. Oh, and you know, yeah. whereas if I can get away from it and get into my own space, I can actually. Well, you're forcing something. yourself not to be tempted by the by the sea. <laughs> just like you know, the siren, yeah, the, the siren of the sea <laughs> is calling you. That's a very romantic way of thinking about it. Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> It's true, yeah. I, I find I can't really do any work. It's even hard to read 
a, a book out the, the sea for me because I just start staring at it or I want to go swim or I want to like play with shells and yeah, yeah it's fun <laughs> it is it's a pretty great place to work <laughs> well hey I I really wanted um, I was so glad you you had the time to come and talk to us because it's I, this was one that I've been really looking forward to because I've been you know I'm a fan of your work and I really can't wait to see not only like what you're going to do in the near future but also like what's coming down the road so I'm all excited just to hear like tidbits of oh. inspir you know in your inspiration of wanting what of what you want to do so I can't wait to see that so thank you for coming and really kind of just hanging out with well, us thanks for having me I've been looking forward to this <laughs> yeah. and I enjoy watching or listening to all your your interviews when I paint and, and it's <laughs> inspiring so now I'm gonna like remember this while I'm painting so it'll keep me going I'll be like yeah. I just talked about this now I have to do <laughs> now it now you have to practice <laughs> now what I you preach I was on suggested donation <laughs> like you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I'm just really excited to go back and work now and see great. what you guys do too. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, no, yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, <laughs> and thank you for for. I'm glad we could finally make this happen. Yay, me too. Thank you guys. <laughs> and so much. I really look forward to seeing this uh, this next wave of work from you. Yes, it sounds really exciting. Yes. I've, I've been looking at older stuff now, like um, Bosch and and Bruegel oh, and Bellini. Such amazing so stuff. like like slower painting, odd, slightly odd way yeah. of seeing perspective and composition you know. wow i can't let it go just let it go <laughs> go for it <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you for listening thank you. you're all amazing we'll see you and and hopefully see you all soon okay bye bye, bye.